if you are trying to turn something into a business, make sure you know how to get paid and that people are willing to pay for whatever you are doing. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Waves, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, a marketer and an artist. And on today's show, we're going to talk to Alexandra Kennan. Alex is an amazing entrepreneur who worked at Google and then went on to start her own hiking company in San Francisco. It's called Urban Hiker SF. And Alex just had her first book published. It's called Urban Trails San Francisco. I'm holding it in my hand. It is awesome. And today I talked to Alex all about her path from going to business school to leaving New York, her first few jobs out of college at Georgetown, and what it was like for her to leave the comfort of a corporate job and go out on her own and start her own business. She also works with Wordsmithy, which is an agency here in San Francisco. So she's got kind of half of her brain on this marketing, thinking, writing work, and the other half on this awesome hiking company where she gets to go outside and meet people and exercise and interact in nature and the history of this city in really incredible ways. So I'm excited for you guys to hear the conversation, and let's get started. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. Yeah, I know you're a listener, and now you're in the in the seat. It is cool to be behind the scenes of the Making Ways podcast, I've got to tell you. This is awesome. So I want to hear a little bit about your mix of work these days. You have your own company, Urban Hiker, and you also work with Wordsmithy, which is an agency. Talk me through like a day or a week or a month and kind of the breakout of your days. Yes. So it's really interesting. I didn't even know this career was possible, but I do have two jobs that I dedicate a significant amount of time to. Wordsmithy is an agency and they do creative work, uh, design projects, a lot of writing projects, so mainly writing, you know, blog posts, uh, case studies, anything a marketing manager would do. I spend about 20 hours a week either writing, doing project management, editing, uh, helping run that business with the founder, Laura Bergheim, I'd say I'm her right-hand woman. (laughs) Um, And then my other job, yes, it's called Urban Hiker SF. I have an urban hiking tour company in San Francisco, and we show people the stairways, hills, and hiking trails of of the city. So people come on tours from all over the world. Um, You know, it's either small groups or can sometimes be corporate groups. And we show people different sides of the city. And so you grew up in New Jersey. We didn't grow up too far away from each other. We've got our East Coast roots, and we're out here on the West Coast. So you grew up in New Jersey, and your family wasn't very outdoorsy, uh, I heard. I read about you. And and was there something about living now on the West Coast and in San Francisco specifically that made you say, like, I want to spend more time outdoors? Yes. And I don't know if this was the same for you, but I found once I moved here, uh, all the social activities were around hiking or being outside or going for a bike ride. Totally. So I kind of got sucked into that early. (laughs) And then I realized we don't have that whole winter thing here. (laughs) So you can really be outside all year round. I first got into biking here, I'd say, Uh, started, you know, renting bikes and biking over the bridge. All of a sudden I was buying a bike. Then I was biking 40 miles to Google once a week and got really into biking. 
And, and you didn't bike in, in New York no, or on the East Coast? No, <laughs> no. I hadn't owned a bike since college. So it had been at least 10 years since I owned a bike. And the, the biking ended up transitioning into hiking, too. So lots of outdoor activities here. So how did how did Urban Hiker SF come about? You moved to the city. You bought this bike. You started getting more into it. How did the idea come about to basically make a company out of giving tours and exploring the city? Yes, this is another thing I never thought I would do. I'll add that to the list of things. Um, but after I left Google, I just really needed a break. And I realized I had worked in Mountain View for five years, lived in San Francisco for five years. Because of all that commuting time, I really didn't know the city that well. So I had compiled a list of 10, 20 things I wanted to see. So as soon as I left my job, I started visiting these places. It could be, you know, things like Fort Funston or the Mosaic Stairways and the Sunset. And as I started visiting all these spots, I thought, wow, maybe other people would like to see these spots. And I was doing visiting all these places, not by car, but right. often on my own two feet. And I just had this wild idea one day. What if I started a tour company based on hiking in San Francisco? I looked on TripAdvisor, looked on Google, did not see a competitor. Yeah. So I thought this might be a good place to do it. And so what I love about it is that it's exercise, it's a business, it connects you with people. Are those the also the reasons that you you started doing it? And have you made friends like on these hikes? Well, those aren't the reasons that I started. I just needed a break from my other job. <laughs> yeah. But those are the reasons that I keep doing it. I at Wordsmithy, it's very interesting. I work from home and there are days where I do not talk to a single other person. So on the days when I am doing tours, which are generally Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, sometimes Sundays, I get to kind of split my day. You know, I'll do wordsmithy stuff in the morning and then I get to meet people from all over the world, which is really fun. And I have made some friends through the business, you know, not only hikers, I've met some hikers that come back again and again, uh, but I've also met an amazing a uh, partner, business partner who I work with. Her name is Deborah, and we manage large groups together. Nice. And she is, you know, 60 something. She is fitter than I am, and she <laughs> is a great friend and partner. That's awesome. And so you mentioned Google. You were at Google before you started Urban Hiker SF for about five years. You worked in marketing. I want to hear about what that experience was like. I also worked at Google, so I have my own experiences, but you were there a little bit before me. And I want to hear about your experience. And also, you mentioned this, but when did the light bulb go off that you really wanted to completely change directions and go independent? Yes. So I was at Google from 2007 to 2012. And at first, I just love this job. This was my dream job coming out of grad school. So I was just thrilled to be in California and to work at this company. You know, if you're in marketing, I feel like it's you really have to work for a company whose products you love if you're yeah. marketing products. And I just loved all of Google's products. I also thought everyone I worked with was really smart and fun and interesting. And it was amazing coming here and knowing no one. All of a sudden, I had a bunch of friends from Google because I guess I started in August of 2007. So a lot of people had graduated school, either yep. college or grad school. We're all starting, all moving out here together. So that was really exciting. 
Loved being on the inside of launches. Um, what products did you work on? Yeah, I worked on, you know, it was all AdWords, but different <laughs> okay. parts of AdWords, mobile ads, local ads. Got it. Um, opportunities to have all, all different nitty gritty parts of AdWords. Nice. Um, you know, so not necessarily the most exciting or sexy part of the company, <laughs> but as my boss used to always remind me, you know, it is the part that makes money for Google. So it's important. Yep. And the money that Google makes helps fund all the free products. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so it was good. It was going great. It was you, going great. Yeah. And I'd say the first time I maybe thought about leaving or something different was 2000, probably 2010. When I started at Google, it was probably 10,000 people. Wow. It had <laughs> grown significantly in those <laughs> first three years. And I am not the best person to work in a big company. I am not personally a master of managing up politics, marketing myself, and that's kind of a skill set you need to survive in a big company. Yeah. And I just didn't see myself getting better at that. And it just felt inauthentic for me to get better at that. Yeah. Uh, like you would, yeah, you would have had to kind of just put on a face and become maybe something else, a different kind of exactly. person. Exactly. Yeah. It just didn't feel authentic. And I, I admire all the people who are good at that because that's course. just a skill set I don't have. Yeah. Also, the commute started getting to me right. as the economy picked up after the financial crisis. A lot more people were on the road, ended up taking, you know, hour and a half, many days to get to work and hour and a half on the way home. So between the not wanting to manage up and not being able to be great at politics plus the commute, I decided, you know, maybe it was time to go. And I finally left in 2012. Okay. And so... When you left, had you had the idea for Urban Hiker SF or did you decide to leave, give yourself time to think it through and then and then land on that? I needed some time. So I definitely <laughs> Were you wanted, burnt out? I had no clue. Yeah, it ended up working out. I had no clue that this idea was gonna come. But yeah. I Oh, I was asking, were you burnt out? Oh, I was burnt, I was totally burnt out. <laughs> yeah. Um and one thing I learned is often when you're in the thick of things at work you don't have a lot of time to think strategically and step back and look at what you want to do for a next step. Right. So it was really crucial to have, you know, a month or two off before I really started thinking about what I wanted to do next. Yeah. And then and then the idea came together. And was Wordsmithy always there as well? Or were you thinking about going all in on Urban Hiker at first? That is an interesting question. So yeah. So, you know, before I even thought of Urban Hiker SF, I was Looking at other tech jobs, I was like, I guess I have to get in back into it at some point. <laughs> and then I just found myself just kind of shying away. Yeah. Um, so I came up with Urban Hiker SF and I worked on it by itself for a number of months. Yep. And I realized that in order to let this business grow, I needed another source of income. And it just fortuitously, I had a friend who sent me some sort of job posting from Wordsmithy through the Google Alumni Network, yeah, through one of their communications. And that is how I got connected with or reconnected with Laura Berkheim. And I asked if she needed any writers. And she said yes. And I started working with them. And I've been working with them ever since. Hi, everyone. I want to take a minute to tell you about a really awesome, super fun, interactive event that Making Ways is throwing in December along with General Assembly and that's going to be Making Ways Live and I'm going to be interviewing Lara McCormick 
She's the creative director for the Exploratorium, which is this incredible, hands-on, interactive museum experience here in San Francisco. And so this evening at General Assembly on December 5th, it's going to be a mix of an interview, then there's going to be a workshop around brand and typography. We're going to have free beer from Fort Point and food. And the ticket is $20, and 15 of those dollars is going straight to the Northern California Fire Fund. So as many of you know, we've been devastated by wildfires here in Northern California, and that money is going to go straight to the recovery and the help in those counties and those people who need it most. Make sure to save the date for December 5th, that evening, and if you go to this URL, you can buy a ticket right now, and it's bit.ly backslash live. And that's spelled out B-I-T dot L-Y backslash making ways live. Thanks so much. And let's get back to the conversation. Is this like, I? so what I love about this setup is that you have some, I guess you have stability on both ends, but you've got this kind of two halves of the brain where you work on this marketing work, you do a ton of writing, and then you've got this other kind of really hands-on, um, but, you know, scheduling heavy as well as kind of going out, interacting with people, business. Like, how do you kind of think about having those two halves fit together as the whole of your kind of new independent career? Yeah, I really like how you, you know, it is really a balance. I like how you mentioned about the, like, left brain, right brain. I really think of it as two halves of a whole. Yeah. So one of it, is, one part of my job, Wordsmithy, is really more analytical and thinking about projects and working in spreadsheets and then writing and thinking critically. Um, and Urban Hiker SF is, you know, I do get to be really creative in how I want to grow the business. I also think of Wordsmithy as something I do on my own. You know, I'm working solo at my desk. Urban Hiker SF, I'm meeting people. Right, right. Urban Hiker SF, I'm working my body. Wordsmithy, I'm working my brain. So it really is a perfect balance, and I've never found anything like it in a job. Wow. And then from the financial point of view, yeah, it's great to have, you know, I'm a salaried employee with Wordsmithy, even though I work 20 hours a week. Um, So it's just great to know that's there. I can build my business, no stress. And in the summer, it's fantastic because that is Urban Hiker SF's big season. Right. But come, you know, this is, I'd say between Thanksgiving and Christmas is the slowest time of the year for hiking. I'm not stressed out because I have that income still coming in from Wordsmithy. Yeah, that's great. And was Google your first job out of out of school? It was my first job out of grad school. (laughs) Wow. Okay. And so did you did you have a job before you went to to grad school? Yes, I had two uh, jobs in New York City. Okay. One was at an art website. Okay. And called artnet.com. Nice. And that was really fun. Met a lot of great friends. And then I worked for, this is going to sound so random, but it was so much fun. It was called Gainer Minden. Okay. And it is a ballet company. Oh, wow. So they create ballet shoes, like point shoes, leotards, all these ballet supplies. And I got to be their European marketing manager and their webmaster. Again, I had two (laughs) jobs always, I guess. Um, And being the webmaster and web designer, I got to create their website. And that was super fun and got to work on that, update that. And on the sales side, I worked with uh, clients only in Europe. And I, well, at the time I spoke both French and German. I really only speak French now. So I worked with French in, uh, you know, French, Swiss, Belgian, all sorts of French and European speaking 
clients and I yeah. got to travel there a few times a year. Oh, that's great. And so you went to school at Georgetown, you studied French and business. And so then you went on to, to get these roles. And then you, after that, you went to Wharton and you got your MBA. Yes. So what made you think to yourself, I want to get a business degree. I want to get an MBA. Looking back, how do you feel about that decision? Was it, you know, in, an incredible value to you career-wise and kind of intellectually? And uh, yeah, how, how do you think about it now? Yeah. So when I started thinking about getting an MBA, I had, I, I love, again, I love those jobs in New York. I was struggling to pay the rent. Got it. And I realized I really never wanted to ever be financially dependent upon anyone else. So at first, the MBA was a financial decision hmm. and an investment in myself and my yeah. future. It ended up being so much more than just an, uh, an investment in my education and two years of schooling in business. It, I met amazing friends from all over the world. I got career opportunities, doors opened. And, you know, when I think about it now, it's funny because I really, I don't use the finance skills. I don't use the accounting skills that I used at Wharton. Those are meant for gigantic corporations. <laughs> okay. I'm running a one person hiking <laughs> business with a few contractors. But what it did was open those doors to help me get into Google. So I got in as a PMM with this graduate degree. And that kind of set me on this trajectory to meet the network at Google to get me the job at Wordsmithy. Right. Laura Burkheim, the founder, was also a Googler. So that's how I met her. Yep. Um, so it kind of set me on a path. But yeah, I don't use the skills every day. <laughs> well, what, what advice do you give people about like, yes, you should go to business school or no, you shouldn't go? Because, you know, I've heard this, that the community you build there and the network can be incredibly invaluable. It's also time away from work. It's money. Uh, it's all those things. When do you think it's a good time to consider going? And when do you think, nah, skip it? That is such a difficult question. It's definitely a personal question for everyone. For people in some career paths, it's almost expected of them. I'd say for many people who are in Silicon Valley, probably don't need it. There are probably other skills you can learn on the job or through other pathways like General Assembly mm -hmm. that I know you work with. Yep. Um, because with an MBA, you are taking two years out of your career, as you right. said. So I'd say if you think you need it for your career, go ahead and do it. And maybe if you're on the younger side and want to have that credential, but, you know, as someone who's, you know, 38 years old now, if I were thinking about going back now, I feel like I'm, I'm getting more on the day to day of being in my job. That's great. And I want to fast forward to right now. You actually just brought me your brand new book. It's so cool. I held it in my hand. It's an Urban Hiker SF, you know, tour book of the city packed with all these amazing hikes all around the city, these like hidden gems. One of them is a couple blocks from where we're recording right now and is gorgeous. But the book is like, it's great. It's got, it's really small. It fits like, you know, fit anywhere in like your, your, your pack or, or, or pocket. Um, but it's like dense, you know, it, you can tell it's just packed with all this great information. So I know you, so I know you were working really hard on that book, but tell me about the experience of writing a book and getting it published and what that's been like to do it as a first time author. It was definitely an amazing experience and a life goal of mine, but it was probably a thousand times harder than I thought it would be. 
Um, the first part of doing a book is, at least you're, if, you're, if you're going with a traditional publisher, is writing a book proposal. And I'm not kidding when I say I worked harder on this book proposal than I did on my master's thesis. Wow. It was 50 pages, and that includes you know, a blurb about you, market analysis, why this book needs to be created, why you should be the ideal author, and it includes a sample chapter. So it was a lot of work. Wow. Um, but I picked, you know, luckily in the outdoors industry, there's not thousands of publishers. I picked a few target publishers and Mountaineers Books was one of them. And believe it or not, I sent them the proposal. It shook me forever to do, but I finally <laughs> sent it to them. And literally the next day they said, hey, we might be interested. So this was all <laughs> over email. It was very exciting. That's incredible. And we talked about this separately, but you were doing a little bit of procrastinating about that proposal. What was going on in your head? Was it the amount of work? Was it kind of this just idea of doing a book and, and what that meant in your life? Like, what what do you think was going on? It was 100% fear, I'd say. <laughs> I just had this dream of writing a book and I didn't want it crushed. And so somewhere in that was a fear of handing the book into publishers and having it get rejected and having then the dream crushed. What I realize now is I could have just managed to self-publish it. You know, it would have been harder because the book has 50 maps in it and I'm definitely not a designer. Yeah, it's I, I said that immediately. The book is beautifully designed, like the layout, the images, the graphic design. Yeah, it's I think it's they really did nice. a great job. I'm so thankful I got to go with a traditional publisher. But yeah, it was all about the fear. And what I realized was you know, if you don't take this chance, you'll never know. You'll never get your book published. And if you do take the chance and send your proposal to some publishers, you may have that chance. So I decided to finally send it off and I got that great news. That's amazing. The universe immediately was like, yep, what have you been waiting for? We're right here. Let's go. So now having these experiences, you've started your own business, you've written a book, you've really kind of helped build Wordsmithy as well and, and been a part of that team. What advice do you give to people who are thinking about, maybe they have that itch about uh, being in a corporate environment and not feeling like they fit in or feeling like they need to really change who they are to, to excel in certain areas. What advice do you tell them about how to figure out what's next and muster up the courage to, uh, to break away like you did? Yes. Now, I may just be hearing this phrase a lot because it's kind of in my life, but I've been hearing the phrase side hustle a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I just bought the book by Chris Gillibo, Side Side Hustle. Um, oh, I listened to another podcast on side hustles by this guy, Nick Loper, and Chris Gillibo is his own side hustle podcast. You don't have to go all in. You can kind of dip your toe in the entrepreneurial waters before you go all in and see if you come up with a good idea and it gets traction before taking the big risk of leaving your job. You don't have to get all the way to burnout like I did and quit <laughs> and then start from nothing. Right, I right. wouldn't recommend that unless you are a very, you know, you like taking risks. Right, right. So you can always try something to start. Uh, on the side and then go all in if that works well. I like that. I like that. And what's been the biggest surprise for you as an entrepreneur? Like the thing, even going to business school and having these experiences, what's been the biggest surprise? Like, wow, okay, that was not in our discussions or in the textbooks or anything like that. 
Well, one thing I love about going on my own path and making my own way, I guess, <laughs> is... Excellent use of right? the show's title. Um, is that it, it's interesting because I used to think, you know, from the outside, people used to be like, oh, you work at Google. That's great. But I would look around and say, I'm one of 500 or so product marketing managers. It's really hard to stand out. Now, when you're doing your own thing, like creating your own podcast, creating your own company, you really stand out in a way. And it's really nice. And people will recognize you and try to help you. I'm sure, you know, doing your own podcast, people have probably come out of the woodwork either wanting to be on the show or wanting to help you make it a success. And I found the same thing with my business. And it's been really wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, so people who know my story, listeners, uh, will know that I also was at Google. I left. I started my own marketing business, which I still run, and then started this podcast. And same thing. I found that if you open up to people and you kind of reach out, there's a lot there. People want to give back. They want to give you advice. They want to listen. And going through those periods of trying to sort it out, it's really kind of affirming for humanity and for community. And, you know, all I all I've said after that period is like I all I want to do is keep paying it forward. I want to keep answering questions, keep meeting with people and all that because I got so much from that time that there's no other choice but to keep it keep it going and it sounds like it sounds like you had that that kind of uh experience as well yeah same thing exactly yeah yeah well I want to ask a question that I think I really know the answer to (laughs) but uh for people out there who have their own thing going or for entrepreneurs it can get tough there can be really hard days you know money can get tight there can be bad clients all those things is there ever, again, I think I know the answer. Is there ever an inkling where you're like, oh, I just want to go back to like a steady day job or a corporate job? Not really. The answer <laughs> is not really. You know, sometimes with hiking, the weekends are very busy. And sometimes I'll work all weekend and say, huh, I never had to work all weekend when I had a corporate job. But honestly, the people I meet are so rewarding being able to create my own schedule, build my own business, kind of create my own life uh, has been so rewarding to me. I don't think I could go back. It's funny. I did attend a conference recently um, through Wordsmithy. Cool. And I just sat in in a dark room all day. And I said, oh, my gosh, this was just one day. I don't think I could do this for a job. Oh, my goodness. So, yes, I love creating my own life and working in my own space. Yeah, and so for people listening who maybe they love hiking, they love drawing, they love, you know, helping their friends on whatever kinds of projects, maybe it's creative, maybe it's more business-oriented, are there any guardrails that you can think of to help people maybe transition you know, turning a passion into a profit and a business? Are there things that they can, maybe like some kind of construct they can leverage to start thinking these things out? Yeah, not to necessarily reference Chris Gillibo's book again, but I was just reading it. And, you know, the difference between a passion and a business is making money. So you got to make sure there is, you know, if you do want it to be a business, that there is some profit potential behind that idea. And there's some frameworks in that book. And you might be able to create your own frameworks on your own to kind of figure out what your profit potential is. And again, if you're starting out small, 
it doesn't have to be your whole income. You know, it can be something small and you see it growing. But if you are trying to turn something into a business, make sure you know how to get paid and that people are willing to pay for whatever you are doing. Right. Yeah. I like that you you did research. You looked into the competition. You had this passion, but then you also kind of leveraged those business skills to figure out, is this a viable thing? Exactly. Yeah. I did lots of research. Saw there were, you know, San Francisco is a huge tourism market. There's something like 18 million visitors to the city every year. And I realized I only needed like four to eight of those (laughs) a few times a week to make my business what I needed it to be. Right. So going from 18 million to four to five, four, four to eight, let's say, um, that really made it seem more possible. So looking at the numbers there and what I was charging for tour, I said, okay, I think I can do this. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for coming by. It's been wonderful talking to you and uh, wishing you tons of success with uh, Urban Hiker and Wordsmithy. Thank you, Rob. Best of luck with the podcast. I love it. So thanks for having me. Okay, that was my conversation with Alex Kennan. Alex, thank you so much for joining the show. It was so wonderful talking to you and having you here. You guys should all check out UrbanHikerSF.com. That's where you can learn about Alex's company. And whether you call San Francisco your home or maybe you're going to come for a visit, you really should pick up this book. I'm I'm not uh, bluffing. I'm holding it in my hand, and it's beautiful. She shot all the pictures, actually. It's beautifully designed, and it's called Urban Trails San Francisco. And I'm literally going to use this book this weekend to go on some hikes. If you guys haven't signed up for the Making Ways newsletter, be sure to do that at makingways.co. And on the website, you'll see all the original illustrations that I do of each of our guests. You'll see show notes and articles and tons more. So check out makingways.co and follow us and say hi on all the social medias. I want to tell you guys again about this amazing event we're going to have in San Francisco at General Assembly on December 5th. Making Ways is going to be live with Lara McCormick, and she is the creative director for the Exploratorium, which is this amazing interactive museum experience here in San Francisco. And I'm going to interview Lara, and then she's going to do a workshop about brand guidelines. We're going to have free beer there and food, and there's even going to be a hands-on typography exercise. So you guys are going to learn a ton. You're going to meet really, really great people from across the Bay Area. The ticket is $20 and 15 of those dollars is going directly to the Northern California Fire Fund, which is dedicated to the recovery and help of those communities and counties here in Northern California that have been so greatly impacted and devastated by the recent wildfires. So go online, check it out, go to bit.ly and that's bit.ly backslash making ways live and you'll go to the website and you'll see the event and you can buy a ticket there. And be sure to save the date for December 5th that evening and we'll see you there. Making Ways is engineered by Aaron Stokert. Our intro music is by The Sandworms and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix too. I want to thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next week.